The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any of the followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they had heard the voice, but they had saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Didn't get it right that time. The Lord spoke to him, calling, and he said, Yes, Lord. The Lord replied, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus, a man named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, but the Lord said Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up, and he was baptized. And afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. So, we're in this series called Acts, and we're looking at our history as a church, because Acts Leander came from Acts Lakeway. And about 10-ish years ago, Acts Lakeway started and started to ask the question, what was going to be unique to them as a church? What was going to set them apart from the other churches that were in Lakeway, Texas. And there are tons of churches all around Texas, right? There's Baptist churches, there's Lutheran churches, there's Catholic churches, there's huge churches, there's really small churches, there's churches that meet in coffee shops, in buildings, in cathedrals. And God, for the most part, is working in each and every one of those congregations. And yet what we wanted to figure out was, what was going to make us distinct? What was going to make us unique? Where had God called Acts Lakeway? And so they spent time in the book of Acts, looking at what core values they saw, what core values they resonated with. And from there came the values of Acts, adventure, community, transformation, and sending. And that church believed in sending, believed in church planting, and so they planted Acts Church Leander, our congregation, with the idea that we would be our own separate congregation, and yet we would share some of the same DNA, some of the same values that our mother congregation shared. So every year we revisit those values. We talk about what that means for us. 
We talk about where we find them in Acts and how that leaves us changed and transformed. And that's what we're talking about today, this idea of what is transformation in the life of Christ? What does that look like for the Christian? What does that look like for a community? And again, I said it earlier, probably the most drastic transformation you see in Acts is the story of Paul. Because Paul, by the end of Acts, is the church planter of church planters. In fact, every single person in this room is only here because of what Paul ended up doing. He started out as a guy named Saul. He was a very religious guy. But by the time that Jesus got done with him, he had started to bring the gospel, the good news, this idea that Jesus wanted to invite more people into his families, that he had died for the sin and the brokenness of the world. And the word got out through Paul. He planted more churches than any other apostle. In fact, most of the book of Acts follows his story. But what we see is when we first meet Paul, he's not exactly your prototypical church planter. In fact, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So if you were trying to figure out, hey, who would be the prime ideal candidate? to be a pastor, to be a church planter. You typically wouldn't start off with this on your resume, right? And beyond that, Paul isn't just blowing smoke, right? He actually took part of the first murder of a Christian. So the first martyr was a man named Stephen, and he was witnessing to who Jesus was. And the community at that time didn't really want to hear it. They got upset, so upset that they rushed at Stephen and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to, the earth, fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Saul helped murder the first, well, not the first Christian, but took part of the first Christian murder. And the real question is, why is Saul so angry? Well, it's actually a pretty simple answer. His identity was at risk. The core values that Saul considered himself, that Saul had built his life around, Jesus shook those. He changed them. Saul writes about his own conversion experience in Philippians He's writing to the church in Philippi, and he's trying to explain life pre-Jesus and life post-Jesus. And he says this, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for their confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. What we see here is Paul saying, my identity, I was born in the right nation. When he talks about being a Pharisee, he's a part of the right political party. He's a part of the right religion. And he does all the right things. Saul had built his foundation of his identity on being a Hebrew, on being a Pharisee, and on doing everything the way it was supposed to be done. 
And then Jesus shows up. And he starts saying things like, it doesn't matter where you were born. He starts saying things like, you actually can't work your way to God. He starts saying things like, actually, I'm not about a political party. And it shakes Saul's foundation. It shakes his identity. And what we see in culture is that when our identity is attacked, those core values that we have, people get angry, they get defensive, and eventually they get offensive. And we see that today, right? We see it on social media. We see it in family conversations. We see it on the news. When our identity is shaken, we get scared. And when we get scared, we get angry. And that's what had happened with Saul. Jesus was going to leave him changed. Because it's really clear in Scripture, no one encounters Jesus and is ever left the same. You see this in, as the story goes on. So as Saul was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they had heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Saul is on his way to arrest, imprison, and ultimately murder Christians. And on that journey, Jesus, Jesus encounters him. And what we see in all of Scripture, the Gospels through Revelation, when you encounter Jesus, you are never left the same. You either draw closer to God or you draw deeper into yourself. Everyone falls into those two categories. When Jesus shows up, you either are drawn closer to God, who he is, what he's doing, or you hold tighter to your identity. Right? You see this, right? Prostitutes, lepers, outcasts, people who had no relationship with God, Jesus shows up in their life and he says, God loves you and he cares about you and he wants to give you a deeper identity and they are drawn closer to God. The apostles, even Paul, is drawn closer to God. But there is another option. We can say, actually, you know what? I'd rather hold and cling tighter to who I think I'm supposed to be. Cling tighter to my works. Well, I'm a good person. I do the right thing. Cling tighter to my nationality or my skin tone or my politics. When you encounter Jesus, there are only two options. Repent. Loosen our hands on our own identity and be drawn closer into who God is. Or, conversely, go deeper into our own identity, our own brokenness. Then we get angry and we get offensive. And yet what we see in Scripture is that we have a God who says, no, I want to transform you. I want to leave you changed. And that story is made clear in the story of Saul. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. 
When you get there, ask for a man named Tarsus, uh, named, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can be seen again, he can see again. But the Lord exclaimed to Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. I mean, this makes sense, right? Saul starts off as this persecution, persecutor of Christians. God shows up to Ananias and he's like, dude, I need you to go talk to Saul. And he's like, no, 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 no. Counterpoint, he's trying to kill us. In fact, he's actually helped kill some of us. This is a bad idea. And what does Jesus say? He says, no, he's encountered me. And he's going to find a new identity. He's going to be transformed. Something new was going to happen in the life of Saul. Something beautiful, something powerful, something new. And that's what you see throughout all of Scripture, is that God uses his children to be the medium for change in people. Not by our own strength, not by our own power, but God uses the body of Christ to bring the message of Jesus to be the intercessor, to say, hey, there is a God who loves you. And we're not the power source, and yet we are connected to it. We're the hands and feet of God, and that's how he transforms people and communities and churches. That's what transformation looks like here at Acts. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, and I love that. First thing he says is your family. First thing he says is we're connected now. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. Afterwards he ate some food and he regained his strength. God sends one of his children to connect with Saul. To share my message, you're going to see something beautiful. You're going to see something transformative. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same guy who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them? and to take them in chains to the leading priests. And yet Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And then full circle. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. Saul went from killing the first Christian martyr being so transformed, so changed, his identity so firmly in who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do, that he becomes this bonfire for the gospel. That everywhere he goes, people hear the name of who Jesus is, what Jesus is doing, and the life Jesus is calling him to. And that transformation 
was so foundational to him that he would write, I will become all things to all people so that at the, the end, some might hear who Jesus is. Might be connected. So he could tell others, brother, the Lord Jesus has heard you. The Lord Jesus is here. But that only happened when he was able to let go of his own identity. Paul would go on to write in Philippians, but whatever were gains to me, and this is back when he was just talking about, hey, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, I was a Pharisee, I was a great person. He goes, no, but whatever gains were to me, I now consider them a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And then he says, I have considered them garbage. That's a really bad translation. That is the Greek word skubala, and skubala means excrement. Often it means a vulgar word for excrement, and I don't know about you, but when I think of a vulgar word for excrement, I don't think. I consider them garbage. We're in church, so I'm going to use crap probably some other stuff you could use. But he says, everything that I had considered my identity, I had built my foundation on. He says, I considered it all crap that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on basis of faith. He goes, my new identity is not built on what I do. It's not about where I was born. It's not about what I've done. It's not about who I voted for. Because my identity is in Jesus. My identity is in his work, in his power, in his grace. And that leaves him transformed. He would then go on to say, only let us live up to what we have already obtained. You want to know how to live out of a transformed life? It doesn't mean I have to reach up to heaven to get something. No, no, no. The story is heaven reached down. And God says, you are my children. You are a part of my family, the family of the king. We are literally royalty. And the cool thing about God is when God says something, it becomes reality. And God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. God says you are forgiven. Guess what? You're forgiven. God says you are his children. You are built in his image. And you are his children. You are built in his image. And Paul says, so let us live up to that. Let us live out of that identity. Not because we have to earn it. No, we already have it. So we live like it. We allow that newness, that freshness to be built in us, to grow into what God has called us, his children, by his spirit. Spiritual transformation occurs when we live out of that identity. And spiritual transformation occurs when those divine moments connect with Christian community. One of the unique things in Scripture is how often Paul invites, how often God invites his children to be a part of this transformation. He could have just had the moment with Saul, said, All right, go plant a church. But he doesn't. What does he do? He says, now go and connect to Christian community. Because when we talk about what spiritual transformation is, when we talk about growing in our faith, leaving and li living changed lives, it doesn't happen in isolation. It's not just about Christian community. But he uses Christian community 
to help grow us. When we engage with him in scripture, when we engage with him in prayer, when we engage with him in the Lord's Supper, we have these divine moments that he invites other brothers and sisters into. That's how we are transformed. That's how we leave different, changed lives. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you admitting and confessing that often our identity is in everything but you. Lord, Lord, the world screams that our identity is in where we live, where we were born, what language we speak, what color skin we have, Lord, and a thousand other things. And yet, Father, your word and your story is true. That you offer us a new identity, not built on our own hands, but, Lord, built on the forgiveness and the love of your Son. Lord, we pray that you continue to transform us. Lord, that you continue to help us live out of our identity as your kids. Lord, and live up to what you've already called us to, what you've already given us. And Lord, this transformation isn't just about us individually, Lord, but it is about our community. It is about Leander and North Austin. It is about the world. And so, Father, Lord, we pray that you continue to send us out to be agents of transformation, agents of change, and agents of love. Say that's all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.